Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Okay, we have Desmond Wigan here, co-founder of Battery Exchange. I'm excited uh, to get into this a little bit more because you've had quite a journey, built quite a name for yourself. Okay, uh, so now we're, we're going to dig in into the deep end a little bit, but why don't you just start with telling us where you grew up? All right, for sure. I'm originally from New York in the Bronx, and then uh, my family moved down to North Carolina when I was just going into high school. So I say I grew up in North Carolina, um, Charlotte to be exact, and then ended up going to uh, Winston-Salem State. Um, I got a track and field scholarship out there. So Nice. So another person who moved... Uh, right. Sort of from the NY down south, where uh, we're happy to have you for sure. That's good. And, and maybe that'll come up a little bit later and how that change really impacted your approach uh, to the business. So now let's get into your, your background, specifically your tech background. Do you have a tech background? And if you do, can you just uh, kind of describe how you went from the you know beginning stages to now where you're co-founder of a fast growing tech startup. You know, in college, I wasn't a, a computer science major. I wasn't, a, you know, a software engineer out of school. Um, I actually was a business major, ended up working for like a Fortune 500 company. It wasn't until a few years back, so five to be specific, I actually was enrolled into an MBA program that allowed me to go to China for two and a half years. And honestly, that was like, I mean, I was in tech before, but that's what gave me my exposure. Building up like this thing called Guanxi, like your network or whatever, ended up working for this firm where I was able to work with a lot of um, later stage technology companies. So these are blockchain, AI, robotics, different things like that, deep tech. And me being kind of fresh, I had to kind of, you know, research, read books, learn on the go. And then I taught myself, you know, coding development, came back, got into a few programs as well. So that's kind of how I'm now able to like manage our application launch and just different things like that. So sounds like you, uh, you're always open to a move. If it's going to progress you and move you forward, oh, yeah. man, I know China yeah. is doing a lot in the tech space. So, so now kind of connect the dots for us and what is battery exchange and from where did you get this idea? Battery exchange is it's an ecosystem of smart chaos machines where we connect people, businesses, and communities to things and people that matter to the most. We do that through a rental platform where we provide on-demand portable batteries. My last semester in China, in mainland, my now co-founder, we were kind of out and about traveling, immersing ourselves in the culture. Then at the end of the day, we ran into an inconvenience of having a dead cell phone and we didn't have a spare charger with us. So we were just like, yo, like, why isn't there a more convenient way for us to charge our cell phone while we're away from our homes and on the go? And just us being entrepreneurial minded, we're just like, yo, Let's figure out a solution. And so like the, the rest is history now, as far as just like finding a manufacturer, coming back to the stage, hitting, hitting the ground running and just kind of building what we have now. So a lot of people have probably been in your shoes or at least your shoes been before you had a company that solved this problem where you're out and you need juice and you don't have juice. So what is your technical solution for folks who have that problem? So it's all through a mobile application. In essence, we have our kiosk machines that, you know, the hope is everywhere, to be honest. Local businesses, small businesses, hospitals, universities, mom and pop shops. And so we pretty much have this ecosystem of these kiosk machines located at different venues. 
and use the mobile application enables you to find out where these are located. And then you're also able to see how many available batteries are there. Similar to like you getting a scooter, you go to the kiosk machine, scan a QR code, get access to a portable battery, plug your phone up, keep it for up to four hours. And then once you're finished, you can return it to any kiosk machine within our ecosystem. So that's kind of how things on a technical side. And then for businesses and like our partners, there's a way for them to push content, whether it's static images, videos or whatever on our digital screens on our chaos machines as well. That's solid. So as long as you get there before the juice runs out, you'll be good. good. You'll be solid. That's nice to know. Okay. So you told us a little bit about the product, right? There are a lot of people involved in making Battery Exchange a success, not just you and your co-founder, which seems like you have a pretty stellar team in addition to the, your co-founder, but also the stakeholders, right? And they're growing every day, right? So how did you prove and how are you proving the stakeholders that your target customers are actually gonna use Battery Exchange? Like what is gonna make it sticky sort of for the customers and how does that conversation go with the stakeholders? Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of like the proof in the pudding and letting data lead, right? And data show you that it makes sense. And so one of the things that we did when we first got back to America, built an MVP and started flooding the market. Literally, pre-COVID, we were everywhere, up and down the East Coast, all the way from New York to Miami. We did an event with the Super Bowl down there, Atlanta, all through North Carolina, D.C., et cetera, and just started to be in environments where individuals were running into that inconvenience and they were paying for our services. So we did that a lot, just like anytime there's a big conference, Battery Exchange would kind of be there or they need to be there. Allowed the product and the, the traction that we were having and being able to tell the story and showcasing that we were a solution in the marketplace. And that's how everybody kind of started to gravitate towards us. That's solid. Uh, so you were in China, Super Bowl Sunday. You got a lot of a lot of uh, places that you've been, and I would imagine a lot of people that you've met who have used or seen your kiosk. But who are your best customers? Like when you think about, you know, look, these are the people who will be faithful, loyal users, evangelists. Like who are those customers? People like you and I, you know, millennials, Gen Z, that are on our phones. Like if you're two hours and up, you know, on your phone, like you're probably going to be a loyal user for us because, you know, 85% of cell phone users, period, don't even carry a spare charger with them outside of their home. So more targeted into the millennial space. Individuals that, you know, tend to travel a lot more than, you know, the, the average, those are individuals that we look to be, you know, loyal and, you know, potentially come into our subscription model and different things like that. But yeah, that's our bread and butter, like individuals like you and I that just spend time on our phone and then pay for convenience. I think that's another piece of it. Like individuals that, yeah, man, I'd rather not have my phone go below 20%. So let me just go ahead and get a little charge here, charge up, just so that I know and I'm confident that I could go through the rest of my day. So that's been like the user behavior or the individuals that kind of love our service more so. It makes a lot of sense. So you want the conscientious users, the ones who know where their battery is and they're, they want to do something about it. So cool. So we're kind of getting a taste of what you've probably been up to as you continue to sort of pitch your company to customers and other stakeholders. But what's it like actually pitching? Just describe for people who maybe haven't been through the experience or they have, and maybe you have some helpful tips, some cheat codes that you can put down for us. To be honest, like battery exchange is my full-time job. Like this is it. Coming back to America two and a half years ago, I said, I'm going to do what I have to do to make this thing work. And so I haven't looked back you know, and not saying it's been easy, but 
I think that drives me to being able to pitch in front of anybody, whether it's a, a elevator pitch or being in front of the stage and the audience, understanding your audience, being prepared for the type of questions that would come, practicing. Literally, I, I practice, you know, I help a lot of like newer entrepreneurs now just kind of getting ready for pitches because I don't win a few competitions. I always tell people to just be prepared, you know, understand your strengths. I'm, you know, I like to tell stories. Like I always start off with our China story so that people are able to learn who I am, you know, lead with personality and then lead with passion as well. That's how I'm able to garner teammates and team members and then articulate effectively to, to people that are interested in our company. That is so solid. This is one of my favorite questions, right? And it may shock people to know this is one of my favorite questions, but the way you talk about your team really struck me in our initial conversation. Uh, and this is a problem actually for a lot of people when they're deciding how to you know, get employee number one or co-founder number one. So can you just describe the decision to bring on a co-founder, how you all mesh, how you're stronger because of it, the challenges involved, it, it, there's a lot in that decision and you seem like you've uh, you've done it pretty well. I do see a lot of founders struggling with that. You know, one of the things that kind of brought us together in the beginning was our cultural background, right? Like, so my family's Jamaican. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for subscribing. And now back to the show. His family's from West Africa and it was just like, yo, we understood like the importance of like hard work. We understood what legacy meant. You know, he had a child. Um, I now have a child, you know, family was really, really important. And we were just like, yo, we're not coming back to America without a business, you know? And I think that was motivating, right? And encouraging. And then just really understanding how we balance each other. You know, I think understanding my strengths and my skill sets and then what he did well, we just, we just kind of understood it. We were just like, yo, I, I think we could kind of make this happen. And so there's still learning going on as co-founders, right? As you gel, as life happens. But I think over time, it's been a, a beautiful thing. And like the dude's just a hard worker, just like me, you know? And, you know, he pushes me just as much as I push him, you know? So um, I think over time, it just kind of happened organically. But I think you got to find somebody that, you know, you could be you could gel with if that person isn't like in the ground with you and you feel, you know, like if they ain't willing to bend over backwards to, to make things happen, he, you know, left his job as well. You know, he sacrificed some things as well. So I think those sacrifices gave me, you know, motivation to be like, oh, yeah, I, I, Aubrey Yaboa, that's his name. I was just like, yo, I think we can make this happen together. So, wow, I, I will admit and that was one of the most humanizing responses to that question, because a lot of people probably approach it like a military general or something like that. Like, who can I strategically move on my chessboard? This is an app question for you right now. What would you do with a million dollars in funding right now? Like, where would you deploy that capital? How would you put it to use? What are you thinking when it comes to a windfall? No questions asked. You don't have to report to anybody. It's just in your bank account. Honestly, the way we're ready to really hit the market, I would just invest it into product. Um, I buy 500 kiosk machines. We pretty much make 42% gross margins on us even signing contracts and stuff. So we'd make it back even more. I just put it into the product and have it to where you as a you know millennial individual, you're able to see battery exchange and it's a part of your lifestyle. 
And I think that's how we would win in the market just like that. And then obviously pay my team, pay my people and, and just scale, to be honest. That's what we would do. So you, you kind of got into this and this isn't a, an exact question, but you, you kind of alluded to a go to market strategy. How do you become everywhere? you know sort of simultaneously like with that million would you try to dominate a city a, a region would you go wide would you go deep definitely dominate a city look at charlotte and dc as our first two markets anyway i'd flood the market here then we have a case study that we can go to different cities and say hey you see what we did in charlotte you seen what we did in dc we want to do that right here as well so i think you know as cities get into this smart city space thinking about how this is an extra amenity for their citizens. I think it would just make sense for any city, to be honest. Speaking of great advice, what's the most profitable piece of advice uh, that you have received since you first started that MVP when you got back while you were in China? It was a mentor of mine that I, I still am close to, uh, Henry Rock. It was one of the first accelerator programs that I was a part of in Charlotte and we ended up winning the competition and it was an accelerator catered around minority entrepreneurs, right? So people that look like me and he was just trying to, you know, push us forward. Right. And he was just like, you are enough, you know? And I felt like as a, you know, as a black founder, a lot of times kind of walking into spaces, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's tough. And sometimes you just really got to believe in yourself. And I think when you have that belief that you are enough, you know, when the questions come, when you get in these tense situations, that, that confidence just kind of allows you to flow, allows you to just kind of move. And so I use that each and every day, you know, as far as like just being enough, I use that in various parts of my life now, you know, not even just business, like me as a new father, you know, I have a four and a half month old and it's just like, sometimes it gets tough and it's just like, man, you're doing a good job, man. You're enough, you know, you're, you're everything that he needs. Or even as a husband, it's the same thing. You know, you always think, oh, how I could do this. But, you know, people love you for who you are. As long as you stay genuine, you're always going to be enough. So congratulations on uh, your little one. That's, that's fantastic. It. And I know that that puts things in perspective for you in a way that it just doesn't before that happens. So I think it's great that you're building a company that, that he'll be proud of uh, moving forward. So that's super cool. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, but it's a question that a lot of people want to sink their teeth into. So maybe you can just kind of pull up the hood a little bit on this. But how do you make money? Things have changed. So when we first started, it was like a B2C concept. And you as a user would pay per minute or pay like 30 minute intervals. We wanted to scale a little bit quicker and we wanted to be of more value to like businesses. So now we, in essence, allow, you know, partners of our businesses that purchase our kiosk machines. And then there's a monthly subscription to, you know, get access to it. We maintain it, any troubleshooting, anything, and then the ability to push content through it. They just pretty much pay a monthly subscription on top of that one time fee in the beginning. Sounds like a really juicy model. They get frothy over the B2B model as opposed to right, B2C. Right. So uh, have you seen a kind of a change in you know the nature of the business? Was that a good move for you? I think it was, man. So think about it like this. Businesses know that there's an opportunity to provide charging services in their establishments, uh, convenience, the mobility aspect, right? And so they have been with stationary machines, then they've been paying for that. So we add an innovative field to that. And it's free for the end user, right? So there's another reason to bring them in, right? And then the ability to interact and engage with them through our digital signage, I think is another huge value. And I feel like even to some, some of the competitors in this space, I think 
we're probably going to scale a lot quicker and gain a lot more market share based on some of the strategic partnerships that I think are on the table. Um, and we have the opportunity to kind of make up. So um, I think it's a good opportunity. <laughs> 100%. It sounds like your goal is to dominate this space and you are yeah. on track to do that. That's solid. But we're going to switch gears here a little bit. And again, this kind of goes back to our initial meeting as well, when you you know thought about the, the folks who have been influential to you. Which artist has sort of been most influential in your work? And I ask because there are a lot of similarities between creatives and entrepreneurs. I mean, entrepreneurs in a lot of ways are creators. You're trying to make something out of nothing like artists do on a regular basis. Is there an artist or a group of artists that you draw inspiration from? Yeah, man. So, I mean, there's a bunch. Even as I think about like going through my day or when I'm going to a pitch, it's, it's Meek Mill. It's, it's just that that edge you got to have, you know, in order to, to kill it, you know, and he gives that grit that I need. But as far as just like the way I attack business, I definitely say like Hove, Jay-Z, you know, building the empire that he has now. And then one of the things that I really like is his impact on the culture, right? Like whether it's hooping basketball, you know, or fashion or music stream like I would hope that I could do that and be as impactful one day but you know even as I grow now becoming a voice in you know various ecosystems like I'm kind of having that same impact especially for uh, black founders so Hove would definitely be there and then I think Nip is up there as well um Nip actually Victory Lap got me through some of the like the darkest times in China and trying to figure out what life was going to be about or what that next step was going to be about so that's cool so if you're listening to this, you just got inside uh, your AirPods or your headphones or whatever it is that you're using to listen to, to, to get hype. Because before a pitch, I would imagine just like going in the gym, you know, because we, we're in the same, we're in the right, same right. gym group, right? You got to have a focus when you go in, right? This is also, you know, I think, a pretty novel question. And I'm insanely curious about what your response to this one is going to be. Uh, in what ways does your background make it easier for you to succeed. A lot of people in America think Montego Bay, Jamaica, where it's beautiful, you know, I like my family's from Kingston, you know, the, the bricks, this third world country in some parts. When I go back, it's just inspirational to be able to make it out of something. And, you know, I really idolize my parents for that. So it allows me to walk in a room and not be scared, you know, just be like, yo, I'm here to, here to get it. You know, I'm, I, could, I can accomplish whatever it is. And I think another part of what makes me who I am now is, being an athlete for so long. So I started running track when I was 10 in New York, all the way to my senior year of college. And I not only was a track athlete, but I was pretty good. At 12, I was like ranked second in the nation. So being at that, you know, high level and I ran the 800, you know, like honestly right now, the 800 is like a sprint, right? There's this point, right? For me in the 800 where at 300 meters, right? You got 300 meters left you got to make a decision. Like, what are you going to give? What are you going to leave on the table? Like, are you going to go, right? And just hope you can make it all the way through, but not knowing what the other guy has and like this energy you have to have. I feel like that that kind of still leads me. It's just like, you know, we have goals, we have uh, milestones we want to reach. And it's just like, yo, I got to go. It's, it's time. Like, I can't look back. I can't look at what other people are doing. I can't wait for funding. I just got to go and just hope that I make it to the finish line and hope that I'm in first place. So my cultural background and my athletic journey definitely makes me who I am as a business person now. Ooh. It was inspiring, man. So you've been running for a long time, but you never stopped running, did you? You never right, stopped right, right. running. Keep going. on the track Forward. right now, man. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Speaking of running and staying in motion, 
Uh, how does being from New York give you an advantage in Charlotte's ecosystem? And by the way, Charlotte is popping right now, especially in the tech startup ecosystem. I know you're one of the folks at the tippy top. So describe how being from New York impacts your experience there in Charlotte and, and what you hope to accomplish there. You know, honestly, I noticed that when I first came down here, like, you know, go, like the end of middle school, I think that that grit, that that hustle, that ability to like maneuver through different cultures, I think that allowed me to come down here and understand the landscape here, but also thrive because like, I'm just built differently, right? Because I got the, the New York in me still, right? Even though it's been years, but I also got the understanding of like, relationships and Southern hospitality and like those things. And like, it's really just like a mash up of both worlds. And like, that's how I'm able to maneuver through. So like, as I'm climbing through the ecosystem, developing relationships, like I use that, that hunger of being able to be thrown in a room and just being able to spin off. And I'm just not from here. Growing up, I see a lot of other people are, and it's just like, now nah, that guy, like, honestly, till this day, people still like, like, where are you from, you know? And like, it's not the accent or anything like that, but it's just like, they just know I move a little different. Like I'm always on the go. I'm always trying to move. I'm always trying to get it. And that's that New York in me still. That's cool. That's super cool. We want to isolate something in this next question and leave it to your interpretation. You got a lot of benefits, whether the problem is, is difficult, simple, compelling, whatever. Your solution is compelling. But if you could only keep one feature, if people took everything away from you and you had to restart over again with just one feature or one benefit to the end user or, you know, to anybody, what would that be? What would that one feature be if you had to start over again? Connectivity. I think that is extremely important because at the end of the day, we want to keep people connected. I think I said it in the beginning to like things that matter to them most and if we lose that, we lose so much more, right? Because like, you know, we connect users to the world through the devices. We, t we connect businesses to customers through our kiosks. You know, we connect communities to information through the digital screen. And it's just like, without that, it's just like, you know, it's a decent solution, but it's like, without that ecosystem and the platform aspect of it, you know, and I think that's what, what makes us unique against like our competitors in the space. Is there a pivot or was there a watershed moment at some point that you think saved your career? I mean, you could even just go a little bit deeper into, you know, your decision to leave, you know, sort of corporate America or China, come back to the US, but was there anything else, another pivot that happened that you think really puts you on a different trajectory? Yeah, one, leaving this, cushy job where good salary, my relationships I was building, my customers were like really high level. And then going off to the middle of mainland China, where I didn't speak the language, I didn't know anybody out there. I think that in itself opened my eyes to so much, right? And like, again, makes me who I am as a business person, a father, a husband, a man, just because I see it differently because I think you know what we learned growing up about China and this culture and what I was immersed in was totally different you know so it, it just kind of opened my eyes and I think another thing is being out there and having an opportunity to work for the firm on a different level that I was working with and then got to the point where my wife was like nah you got to come back you know and I I contemplated it it was some some dark times because I was like yo I'm like 
literally on top of the world. Like I'm seeing things, I'm exposing my community via social media to like this world. And it was just like really important to me. But if I didn't leave China, I would have never built battery exchange to what it is, you know, not at least not over here. I think the market opportunity was even bigger over here than it was in the East. So I appreciate my wife for the tug. And then also just my ability to, to, to try something new to, you know, going out to China. So I think those two are really big staples in what saved and changed my trajectory. Powerful. Indeed. Which communities have been the most helpful in growing your brand and your vision? Because you keep referencing community, connectivity, environment, network. But for you, you know, just kind of off the cuff, which communities have been the most successful in growing your brand and your vision? Being a grad of Winston-Salem State, which is an HBCU, that community and that love, like, you know, I, I got friends from, you know, A&T, you know, Morehouse, Hampton, Howard, like, and it's just love and it's just connections and it's just growth. And it's, it's always, I could be in any city and it's love, you know, that has been big. Alpha, you know, obviously is a, you know, the best fraternity in the world. But um, anyways, um, but that community, literally, I've been all over the world and met individuals that have brought me in and business connections, you know, new opportunities. And then even just on a more local regional level, I think about Black Tech Charlotte, which is an organization based out of Charlotte, uh, led by uh, Sherelle Dorsey, which is a huge player in the, the Black Tech ecosystem. So she was, I mean, huge with just like, putting me in different spaces, connecting me to different people. I definitely owe a lot to her. Charlotte Inno is another one that is more regionally based. Anytime there's a something new, we shoot it off to them. They, they get it out on their publication and they have a really big reach. NC Idea is also a, a huge newer uh, community that has been supportive. I sit on their Black Entrepreneurship Council and we just deploy like 360 grand into Black-led support organizations and like things like that. HBCUVC, I think, is another community that has been helpful. We did their summer accelerator, and ever since then, connecting us with investors, connecting us with accelerators, like all different things. So blessed to have these networks or these connections that have just helped me as an individual as Desmond and then also as a CEO of Battery Exchange as well. Your cup truly overfloweth. Those right, are a right, lot right. of resources, some <laughs> heavy hitters who have been growing just like you have. Also, the plug... You need to go right. check that out. You need to go yeah. check out the plug. There's so much good data mapping out the ecosystem and the landscape, like you said, putting Charlotte on. Uh, there's a lot of good information there, and I would definitely encourage you, if you listen to this right now, go check out the plug. And how can we help your company, right? You mentioned all the resources that are coming in. You got a lot of support already. But what can we do to help you and your company? You know, one thing I think that, you know, you guys do really well is uh, app launches. <laughs> you know, um, we got something new kind of coming out soon. So I think, you know, ideas around that would be really, really cool. Do something special in this virtual world. Like we did something in the virtual world that was really impactful, you know, but leveling it up, taking another step up, I think would be cool. Um, you know, I think you guys have a great following, great platform. So some of the spaces that we want to get into as far as, you know, hospitals, universities, you know, airports, just, you know, you never know who is connected to those worlds. So articulating that and communicating that I think is huge as well. Because I always say like, you're one person away from whoever you need to know, you know, and um, you, you never know how you guys community or platform can allow us to, or help us to get there.
hundred percent. Well, we're, we're happy to keep this relationship going and building as we watch you grow. I think it's great what you're doing. And speaking of great, sometimes great leads to some commas that people haven't been introduced to in a minute. So, uh, this is a question that uh, really gets at the philosophical underpinnings of your business mind in a lot of ways and your personal mind. And we've gotten a lot of different responses to this one. So yours will be welcome uh, into, this, into this community of answers. Uh, do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or why not? Yes, right? And um, it's not even just yes, it's like, do I think I could? Do I think I really have the ability and like truly, like, you know, passionately? And I believe I could. I think that 2020 showed me that I could. You know, 2020 showed me that I could become resourceful. I could be innovative. I could continue to grow. You know, I could lead. And then, you know, some of the people like the, the Bezos in the world, you know, I study them now and I, I understand their philosophies and their thought processes. Um, and I think that, you know, that's the environment I thrive as far as like making decisions, making those tough decisions and, you know, having to understand stakeholders, you know, and different partnerships and, you know, what it is to scale, but also motivating a team, but also like doing all these different things and thinking like 10 years ahead. I, I think a lot of that is what it takes to, you know, lead a billion dollar company um, plus more. And I feel like, you know, again, I feel like I've proven to myself and just like this year alone that we get into existence, that opportunity does come that I'll be, I'll be the man fit for the job. Yeah. You've got what it takes. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise you could do it. It's going to be nice when you get to that point for sure. Uh, you mentioned the app launch parties and thank you for that. It is something that we enjoy doing mainly because it brings people together and you can leverage that one thing that's older than money. A lot of people are chasing uh, the money. They need money either for the raise or their customers or the like. But the one thing that's kind of, you know, removed from that or older than that is relationships, people. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're definitely interested in having one for you. Uh, and we're, we've been talking about that, so be on the lookout for that. But if you came to somebody else's app lunch party, which question would you ask of another founder? You know, just really understanding the philosophy and the perspective. I think it's always beautiful on like, what led you to get here? You know, like what were the MVPs or what were the stumbles? What, what were, what'd you go through in order to get to this point? I think like that story in itself, a lot of times as a founder allows me to like resonate with it and then just understand how I could apply that to my life, you know, in my journey. Um, I think that's one thing. And then what was that journey? What was that story? How did you develop? So this is the last question. Uh the second to last question, because the last one is all about you, okay, and how we can keep up with you. But uh, this penultimate question is, in your own words, what's the most valuable thing that you do for your customers? Uh, so you're gonna think this is redundant, man, but I, I, I think it's, it's truly what we do is, is this aspect of connectivity, you know, like this aspect of connecting people to things that matter to them, you know, like at the end of the day, it ain't about me. It ain't about the product. You know, it's just about, for example, there was, when we were doing customer discovery, we ran across a, a, a woman that told us about a story when her daughter was at the mall, she dropped her off, you know, and going to the movies with her friends, 12 year old or something like that, 13. And, you know, when it was time to pick her up, calling her phone, going to straight to voicemail, you know, couldn't get in touch with her. And this is something that like never happened to her daughter. Right. And so there was this fear and there was this panic and there was like, you know, 
this anxiety that I would never want to, you know, face as a mother and or as a, you know, a parent. Um, and she ended up, you know, getting the the cops involved and like all these different things. And this adolescent youth just her phone was dead, and she ended up going to a different movie, you know, with her friends. And I don't know, man. Like I just would never want anybody to go through that. And you know, again, that's an extreme case, but it would be so convenient for that young lady to get a free portable battery just to charge her phone at the movie theaters and just be able to connect to her mom. So her mom doesn't have to go through that. And there's so many different situations or opportunities where that happens. And it's just like, dang, like, I wish we were everywhere. Like we want to be, you know? So I think that's the most important thing right now is just that, that aspect of connectivity. You really put us in that story. I was like, man, like what happened to her? You know, where did she go? Did she find a battery exchange kiosk to save her from this fear and anxiety? Uh, hopefully you will be everywhere to avoid that because that, that is a big issue. Uh, I've enjoyed this. I mean, these questions, I mean, we kind of flew through them, but it's really because you were packing quite a punch every single time as you described it. I mean, clearly you have experience with telling your story, promoting battery exchange, talking about your team, including Aubrey. So where can we keep up with you? Where can we find you? If somebody was like, yo, I'm listening to this right now. I love what you're doing. I want to support you. I want to help you. I want to try to see if you'll respond to me. Like where, right. where should they go and find you? Nah, man. So pretty active on um, both Instagram and Twitter. Um, so it's worldwide wigs, W-I-G-G-S underscore. And in the same with uh, Clubhouse, you know, that's, that's a new space for me, but I, I like it, you know, and um. I already wanted to get into the space of talking about this journey and some of the things that I've been through. So I think that's going to be a good space for me as well. But, um, and then, you know, with uh, battery exchange, it's battery exchange underscore both uh, Instagram and Twitter. So you could kind of find us on there. Solid. Well, with that, I think we will kind of end this episode, man, and go back and re-listen to this because you'll find that you might find new things when you listen to it the second time, because there was a lot in this one. So thank you for that. Pleasure is all mine, brother. Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.